This is the Praxis Hunting Podcast, bringing you the science, art, and skill of do-it-yourself Western hunting. That the walkout is gonna suck. You're running naked? They're throwing it to the ground. Right, like the sand people. Right. (laughs) I got duped the hardest. (laughs) I'm like, shh. Dude, we're still hunting. We're hunting. (laughs) We are hunting, Connor. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Praxis Hunting Podcast. I'm Josh Levitt. I'm Bryson Bullard. And I'm Chris Cox. Here at Praxis Hunting, we're dedicated to bringing you guys quality information so you can just be more successful in the field. We're just average people with jobs and families that really have a passion for hunting. First, we want to take a moment here and recap our 2017 hunting seasons uh, and some of the lessons learned uh, through success and failures that we experienced. I think we're going to go ahead and start here with Bryson. Yeah. Since he had a, sure. an epic hunting season with some, uh, uh, some good lessons learned. Yeah, definitely some good lessons. I wouldn't exactly say it was the most successful hunting season, but I mean... Well, successful I, I, in different ways, right? Yeah, successful in different ways. I mean, for first off, I didn't I didn't get a hunt for what like two years, something like that. Yeah, you've been in Alabama for two years. Yeah, I moved down to Alabama for a couple of years, and I mean, for the East Coast folk, I mean that's that's not really my style down there. So I didn't really get out about go sit in a tree stand or anything with some of those guys. But uh, I was all into it. I bought a bunch of new gear and stuff, and I came up, and I was trying to get my dad and my brother to go scouting and whatnot, and uh, they didn't really do a whole lot of it, so. I wanted to get up there as soon as I possibly could, and I decided to take uh, my wife on a date night. Right, yeah, but you – hold on. <laughs> in, in retrospect, you labeled this as a scouting trip Well, on, o- on opening day with your bow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Just to clarify. Yeah, yeah, okay. So uh, I didn't scout what, at Hey, all. wait. What, what made you pick that all. area? Uh, my dad and my brother had seen a couple of elk up there a couple of years before that. So I don't know. We really didn't do any scouting. Let's just put it that way. We went on past experience. We had seen animals up there before. We knew the elevation was going to be right. And we're just kind of taking a gamble. We hadn't really looked at the uh, weather. The had weather you patterns. been up there before or just your dad? Um, I'd been up there in years past, but never hunting. I mean, it's it's a pretty popular area for people to go hiking around and stuff. But when it gets to be that season, people kind of know to kind of clear out of that area. But yeah, here it was opening day i didn't tell my wife that i was just like hey babe let's go up to uh let's go to mccall go on a date wait what, what, did, what did she say when you had your full camo on well i mean I, date I, made night sure, hike. <laughs> I made sure to dress all cute like driving up there you know went and had some dinner and stuff but then she was a little mad when i told her we had to get up at 5 a.m and i brought enough camo for uh, both of us so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay that that's a good way to start a relationship that was great, especially since we've only been married for what five months now, six right. months now. So yeah, we wake up and opening day. And there's naturally there's going to be a couple of hunters up there, and I had been practicing for a solid couple months using various different arrows. And <laughs> right, we're getting to that. Broadheads. We're getting to we'll, that. We'll get Failure that lesson one, right <laughs> lesson there. Lesson one, number one. And uh, yeah, so I I'd, I'd been telling her that i wanted to go up to this spot and i i thought maybe we'd get lucky and we see something none of the animals are spooked yet there isn't really too much hunt pressure yet the very first people are going to be see with a with a weapon is going to be us so we get to the very top of the mountain and we're we're parked maybe 10 minutes and i'd actually brought my dog with us too like this was supposed to be a, we we're going to walk out we we're going to sit with some binos and sit on the ridge line and see if we could see anything in the bottom 
And we start walking like maybe a tenth of a mile. And all of a sudden we're seeing rubs. We're seeing wallows. We're seeing like fresh sign everywhere. Like, I mean, they've been living in there all year long. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, what, what are the odds? Like, this is the kind of stuff you go scouting for. You're looking for fresh sign. You're looking for seeing like if they're actually going to be in the area. Well, then we start smelling them. And like, you know, the hair on the back of my neck starts raising up a little bit. I'm getting all excited. And she's like, what's that smell? You know, she's not really used to that environment. <laughs> so I, I can knock up an arrow really quick. And, uh, oh, yeah, that was that was step number one. I knocked up. I knocked up. Uh, we'll get we'll get to that here in a second. So I start walking around and seeing if I can uh, hear anything. I'm just blowing random cow calls and whatnot. And so is this on a, a trail that goes up? No, we're not on a trail. You're not we, on a cut we trail. Went, no, we went to the very end of the trail, and then we walked down into this bowl that I had been looking at on. Uh, I was actually using Onyx Maps, and I found this pretty good spot. And it was it was a place that none of us had actually been to. It was just kind of in the area where we had been hearing beagles in years past. And just uh, talked to some other people who kind of knew where the animals were going to be pushing through. So, yeah, we get up in there, and... As we start to smell them, it gets stronger, and uh, we don't. Nothing's calling back at us, and then we start hearing the crashing uh, coming from the backside of the bowl. I knew it was maybe a hundred yards away where we were actually hearing the noises. And Daisy had never actually been really surrounded by animals before. She's been there on different hunting adventures, where uh, <laughs> on some past failures, <laughs> some past failures. Yeah. She has least, been involved. At least we were all involved in those. Yeah, How is it that she's always the one that's kind of there for? You know, the big She's there when the ball comes in. <laughs> Whenever the ball comes in, Daisy's there. Yeah. So, bless her heart, she ends up pulling out her cell phone, and she's sitting there pointing it at me as all of a sudden this little raghorn four point comes walking out. And I just kind of freeze, because I didn't actually expect to see anything. You know, this this little bulk is walking out, tips his head around the corner. I'm like, oh, freeze. We're right in the middle of all the rocks. You know, and I didn't know immediately what to do i mean you train for months at a time and like what what are you going to do as soon as you see something pop out like that and i just had to really think through it and like calm myself down I'm like okay wait a minute so i'm looking at my bow i'm like okay I, this is this is the moment i've been waiting for slowly knock up the arrow you know you practice like kind of moving your hands close to your body not really making any big movements at all and like you keep an eye contact because you don't want to spook them by moving your head well i don't I don't know if it was just dumb luck or they hadn't been spooked or anything, but I was making all kinds of movement. Daisy's getting into a better position. She's walking around next to me, and we're in full sight of this bull. And I I don't know. I just I stood there. I pulled back on it. Or first, I ranged him at 41.6 yards. I'll never forget that number. Stood maybe five seconds. Let that arrow go. High and in the shoulder. It sounded like I was chopping down a tree. Yeah, this is a hard thwack. So you're just you're just bebopping along, cow calling, and no responses. You, you got no, no nothing's calling back to you. He comes in completely silent, right? And yeah. the video it looks like he comes in and he just kind of moves out into this opening a little bit where you've got an op- like a, a pretty good shot, really. Right? No, it was a great shot. He he came walking in. I mean, it was a perfect broadside shot. If you look at the video, um, she's she's standing probably ten yards away from me to my left side. And it looks like I was shooting through a tree or something. But from where I was, you could see his entire body. But what I ended up finding out later on, uh, I actually ended up finding my arrow. And I had shot a 400 spine arrow. And I had been practicing with 340 spine FMJs. And I was using the Montec G5s. 
and stuff I was I was really comfortable with using, but I was being cheap, I guess, and I didn't buy a new set of arrows. So I just had all right. the good so ones. So you're shooting <laughs> you're shooting a seventy pound Creed at twenty eight and a half inch draw, right? And yep. <clears throat> three forty spine cut with your head would be perfectly spined for that setup, but instead you send a four hundred spine at it. Correct. <laughs> so yeah, why, I don't know. What I so why was there a four hundred spine in your quiver? Well, you know what? Lessons learned, I guess, at this point in time. I can't change anything about that. Was it just I, in there from the last time you were practicing? No, it wasn't even that. It was the fact that I had, like, ran out of arrows, and I'm like, you know what? Even, like, even though I'd been practicing all this time and, like, practicing with different spine strengths, and I knew that they shot different, it's like, well, maybe I just need that extra arrow, you know? Like, why would you ever need more than, like, five shots? Especially with uh, us only being out there for a week. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah. So every time that I've made an arrow switch i actually always buy at least a half dozen or a dozen and then i i don't carry any of the others nor do i shoot any of the yeah, others makes anymore in that switch so like when i went from that 80 pound obsession mm-hmm. over to the halon right uh <clears throat> i was shooting 300 spines out of that and i went all the way to 340 spines on this halon and you just you just put them away don't you can't <laughs> i know you want to like be out there and you just want to be like sending arrow after arrow during your practice session instead of sure. walking after five or six but yeah uh, that's kind of when this situation happens right because because then obviously like the weight difference between a 340 and a 400 is going to be different 400 oh, is going to shoot higher yeah because it's, it's a lighter arrow so and that's it's exactly what faster. happened I, I sent it what about a foot and a half um i was about a foot high right into a shoulder blade and I mean, maybe it's just one of those things you have to expect at the beginning of the season. You got to make some sacrifices, and one of those things is, or maybe at the end of the season, buying some new arrows so that way you can shoot, you know, a thousand shots before you actually go out before hunting season. And right, uh, sticking with one, just stick with one and don't mix. I mean, figure out what you want early on, and then just keep practicing, practicing. So, I don't know for somebody like me that I'm pretty, still pretty new to this sport. You know, I haven't killed a lot of animals with a bow, but I do practice a lot. And I mean, it's just yeah. You, well, I think we're all quick. we're all rookies with the bow. True. That uh, I think you're always a rookie with the bow, right? Every time you go out there, it's like you're learning something new every time. It's just a challenge. And so every animal is different. So I just want to get back to the hunting story. When you hit the bull, did you know right away that it was a miss? Like, I mean, not I a didn't. kill shot, or did you? I didn't. So did you have to watch the video. I I watched the video a couple times just to get an idea of. All right, it, how far am I going to have to track him? Did I double long it? Did I hit him in the heart? Like what? Like how much blood's actually coming out of this thing? Because I didn't want to move from where I was at. You know, I was trying to recap the shot from exactly where I shot that animal. You know, trying to make my best judgment. And we gave it probably a good 25, 30 minutes before we were going to move up to where we'd actually shot him. He's only 40 yards away, and he ran probably another 200 yards before we saw him disappear um, up over this little hilltop. Oh, so you, you saw him for a ways. You had visibility yeah, was, that far then? Yeah, yeah, we okay. had visibility all the way until where he actually walked around a tree. He stopped, and he looked at me, and we made sure not to move. We were watching. I was whistling at him and stuff, you know. Um, yeah, we, we waited for a little while, and we walked up there just to kind of see if we could see any, like, first blood. And we didn't see anything. So I guess to answer your question, I honestly thought that I had double-longed him, but it was so loud, and the environment that we were in the echo that was in there was just ridiculous too so when you actually listen to the video over and over again like without the excitement of thinking you double lunged an animal i mean it sounds like somebody straight up took an axe to a tree and started hammering on it yeah i remember the first time you showed me the video you could notice 
Yeah. And it was pretty audible. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it definitely sounds like a tree crash. And, I mean, something hitting rocks together. But yeah, we got up there and uh, the arrow was actually just laying on the ground, like directly below where I'd shot it. And there was, there was no blood anywhere. There was blood on the end of the arrow and you can tell that it had only sunk in maybe like five inches or so. But there's no broadhead. The broadhead had completely snapped off. So, so the arrow was right there, right? The where arrow, yeah, the arrow was laying right there right okay. where I hit it. Yeah. So we're sitting there trying to make a game plan. I'm like, Daisy, I don't think I killed this thing with my wife. And uh, she's like, well, the arrow's sitting here. I don't know much about hunting, but I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be in it in order for you to actually kill it. I'm like, <laughs> well, oh, yeah, or, yeah, or at least through it. Or yeah. at least through it. Well, there was no blood past that like four or five inch mark. So... We're just kind of sitting there like, okay, maybe we should wait for another hour. And then we start hearing more animals moving around the sides. And she starts freaking out. She's like, I've never really been in a, anything like this. What, what is that? I'm like, that's elf. <laughs> Don't <laughs> move. Him, yeah. Stop moving. So she ends up picking up her cell phone again. She's like turning on the video and whatnot, like holding up to her chest, trying to see if anything's going to pop out. Well, they were coming in super quiet and nothing actually popped its head through the trees again. And like I we were in a bunch of rocks on kind of like a granite vein almost that had been like pushed up and there was a bunch of timber growing around the outside of us. And uh, yeah, none of the animals ended up coming in and take a look. So they ended up walking by. That was pretty cool. But yeah, it was pretty cool to have that interaction with them. But waited maybe like 20 more minutes or so and then we started moving slowly up where we had watched him run and we saw maybe two spots of blood like over that whole like 200 yards over that whole 200 yards yeah we're we i made sure after i shot him and he was running to look if he was going to be brushing up against anything and i went to like the bigger brush that i saw him like push up against and there was nothing and uh so after uh we probably gave it like an hour we went up to where i saw him stop and like turn around and there was i don't know probably a maybe a dollar bill size bit of blood laying on the ground but it was like really thin and splotchy so but after that we heard we ended up hearing him actually later on it sounded like a tripod running through the forest it was like, go on, go on, but it was really right. far off so yeah we ended up uh, looking for more blood for another hour and didn't see anything whatsoever and he was gone he was just straight up gone yeah it's i mean it's an unfortunate reality of if you bow hunt long enough unfortunately you're gonna wound an animal or you're gonna miss like that's just part of it i guess it's just doing your best to try to recover and right you know try to locate them if you can spend as much time as you can chasing them down right now, a lot of people don't like to talk about it but i mean it is like you said it's a reality it's a reality of bow hunting i mean there's going to be misses there's going to be off shots and you can train yeah. all year to eliminate that as much as possible but yep i've i've, I've, I've unfortunately wounded animals i've missed animals uh that's just that's part of it man but yeah, yeah so yeah i guess the biggest takeaway on that is you know make sure throughout the season that you've got the arrows you're going to hunt with the setup you're going to hunt with and that's what you're shooting and you're shooting that only right and uh yeah making sure that's what you're taking in your quiver <laughs> you <laughs> know be a cheapskate yeah you know because yeah. if yeah you, know, you know if you had like a grouse tip or something on there uh you know, you wouldn't have grabbed that and thrown that in to shoot at that bull. No, absolutely not. And you see some guys running around where you flip it upside down too, and you got the you got that grouse tip pointing the opposite direction of all the broadheads. So it's like, oh wait a minute, that looks not even close to like the other ones. But right, well, you're shooting a tight spot though, right? Uh, no, I'm not. What am I shooting? Yeah, you are. You're shooting that lost camo tight spot on your creed. 
And you, I mean, just your first arrow should be in that load gate that's facing towards you. I'm shooting a tie spot, aren't I? Yeah. Good thing I know what your setup is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, Way that's... So, okay, so after that Don't trip... Don't get me wrong, I love it. So that was that trip. It didn't... <laughs> It didn't work out, and then and then you had, then you had another trip with your dad and your brother, right? Yeah, and that was a totally different deal. So I got all excited after that trip. I thought there was going to be hundreds of elk in this area, and they got all excited once I drove back down to the valley and got some cell for uh, service, and I was telling them that I wounded one, unfortunately, and uh, they're all pumped about it. And we were going to go for another uh, seven days, same spot, same exact spot, yeah, and. We had everything planned. We had the trailer all set up. We had, you know, uh, Excel spreadsheet with all the gear that we we're going to take. You know, it, it was stuff that was basically going to allow us to be up there for probably the rest of our lives, you know, like, <laughs> like wait, fully what? sustainable solar panels. I mean, yeah. We didn't bring solar panels, but no, it was, it was way too much gear for what we were trying to do. It, it was half glamping, half do it yourself, backwoods, right. big backpacks, walking around kind of a thing. So. Uh, we came over prepared because we also we heard the weather was going to turn pretty sour on us, so we didn't want to be unprepared either. And we get up there, and it had been maybe seven days since the start of the season after I'd shot that one, and not a peep. We walked around. They they had been up there for two days uh, before I had actually gotten up there, and they hadn't heard anything or seen anything. And I mean, they'd seen like a few tracks, but everything just looked like it had been moving out. And this is all in the mud. It hadn't even started really snowing yet. Right. And, then, was, and would you get a lot of hunting pressure in there? That zone has kind of gotten a little yeah, it, a unfortunately, little overwhelmed in the most recent years. So a, a lot of the big popular areas, they were doing that uh, uh, limited draw. Or not the limited draw, but like the limited tags up towards like the sawtooth area and all that. And the quota just, tags. The quota tags, yeah. thank you. And it just seemed like there was easily double the hunters in this area than years past. And I just... I don't know, talking to a lot of those guys, it was the same situation. It's like, well, yeah, we wanted to hunt over there, but we weren't able to get the tags. So we're hunting this area, and unfortunately, we found out too late, and this was going to be the easiest place to get to. And it was just immediately outside of the town. and you know, <laughs> It's like where you and your grandpa go when you're younger. It was like, oh, this is going to be a gold mine. No, not when everybody and their dogs yeah, up there with their dirt bikes. So and, close to civilization, easy access, yeah, usually equals not a lot of animals. Yeah, we should have seen the signs. But I still had hope because I had seen all those animals up there the week before too. So, yeah, uh, yeah we get up there and uh, – or I finally get up there and it starts snowing on us. And I really didn't want to hunt in that area anymore because of what they'd been talking about. They've all – my dad taught me how to hunt and I've been hunting with my brother just the same amount of time um, all of our lives basically. And, yeah, there just wasn't – there wasn't any real motivation to go back out there, but we wanted to give it a try. We wanted to go out a little bit further, maybe get a little bit closer to the bottom of the bowl that I was hunting in before. And I, it was it was pretty much a wasted day. It was basically just kind of a, a walk in the snow, really. Yeah. And when it gets cold like on, that, hard to say wasted day. Yeah, what would yeah, you, you been can really doing? call it wasted. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah at work. Yeah, sitting at work. Right. Wishing that you crunching were, numbers. Wishing you were doing that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So. I was still fun being out there with my family and stuff, but just hunting in the snow when it's that crunchy, you're not stocking anything. If man, yeah, and we've learned that the impossible. hard way many times. If there's snow on the ground and it's 32 degrees or below mm-hmm. with a bow, you're, I mean, it's nearly impossible. It's just that snow freezes on top, and every step is just incredibly loud. 
Yeah. You, you can't make it happen. It's challenging for sure. Yeah, you got to glass it up and then set up an ambush is your really, really your only hope. Yeah, mo- movement's not really the key. So it didn't it didn't really work out for us up there. And then as we were walking back, we got another couple of inches of snow on the ground. Wake up the next morning, and thankfully we got up at like 4 a.m. And we decided to push down into a different area. And it, it just goes to show you, like, you really got to have a lot of areas and a lot of uh, options. That's where scouting really comes into play too, is being able to have options to get away from right. people. Having, who knows who else is going up there and looking in those same spots. <laughs> yeah, always having that like plan A, B, C, and D because that stuff changes too fast, you know. And, and when you're – the difference between scouting time and hunting mm-hmm. is obviously the amount of pressure that's going to be in there. Yeah, That's absolutely. a big difference. But. So, you, I mean, you guys ended up – it wasn't – a wasted trip. I mean, you guys. No, ended it wasn't up, a wasted uh, trip. I mean, the end of the story is kind of cool. Yeah, it is really cool. We uh, we ended up going down about three thousand feet, trying to get out of that snow line, and I had got onto the Onyx maps again and started looking where there was no property, and we drove out with like a ridiculous ways away from everybody. It was like another hour in the opposite direction, and uh, it worked out for us. We ended up getting back into the elk again. Um, we were actually on our way out of town, and it was kind of a last-ditch effort to see if we can even track down any animals. And my dad and I walked one direction. My little brother wanted to go out into the wood line. And I'm like, okay, whatever, man, see yourself. I'm, I'm following where the tracks are going and stuff. And like, we're being quiet, and all of a sudden I hear this, Bryson! Like at the top of his lungs, my brother's yelling from the tree line. I'm like, shh! Dude, we're, we're still we're, hunting. We're hunting. <laughs> we are hunting, Connor. Just in case you forgot. Yeah. He's like, get over here. I'm like, oh, crap. Something's got to be wrong, you know. So me and my dad, like, go dodging through the wood line. And he's standing there pointing at the ground. And, I, like, my brain really couldn't comprehend what was going on. You know, I see this big brown body laying there. And I, I thought it was a bear. Because all you could see was, like, the middle of its back all the way down to, like, its tail. And I go walking around the tree. And... It looked like a sleeping six-point bull elk. Beautiful. Like, absolutely gorgeous. Eyes are still glassy and everything. Like, did this thing just, like, pass out? Is it laying down? Do we need to poke it in the you eye? ask him if he shot move? it? Oh, well, yeah, I, mean, right. I know he didn't Connor, shoot did it. Shoot no, assume. he didn't shoot it. You just assumed there's no way he shoot it? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, we're sitting there looking at it, trying to decide what we're going to do with this thing. And, I mean, yeah, of course, we determined it was dead. But, um... We just got to looking at it to see, all right, well, are we going to do anything with this animal? How do we report this animal? How do we ethically go about dealing with this situation? And we determined just by looking at it and trying to figure out how it was shot, how long it had been laying there. Its eyes were still glassy. It, the rigor mortis hadn't even set in. Uh, it, it had only been dead for maybe a couple hours, we thought. So we ended up, we decided we were going to tag it and quarter it out and take it back with us. And we were only 300 yards off the road, too. Like, we were... We were only walked for maybe five minutes. So we got the four-wheeler in there. We quartered it out, grabbed the head and everything, pulled into town. And the the meat, it looked like it had been gut shot. And somebody had shot it on the run. It looked like right. it had you gone through. You said there was through. an arrow in it, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think of how exactly it went down. So the arrow looked like it went through his leg and into the backside of its stomach. And, you know, as soon as you pop into that, into that gut you're gonna start getting all that stuff leaking in between the layers and all that stuff and so when he laid down he ended up laying in his own like his bile juices you know and right. all that all the adrenaline was going through him while he was running for however long since he got shot 
So we couldn't salvage hardly any of that meat. Well, that, that smell had tainted a lot of the other meat and you could really smell it. Like we were already questioning if we were going to be able to salvage any of it. Now before and, you got the bull though, you guys went around and asked, like, well, didn't ask, but looked for anyone searching for that. Oh bull, yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, yeah. So yeah, once, once we found it, we looked at the wound and we kind of, we tried figuring out if, you know, if, if, if the scab was actually holding back any fle- or, uh, fresh blood or anything, Walked around a little bit looking for any sign whatsoever, and we even drove around looking for people in the area because right. it was it was a big, probably f- three four mile loop around this area that we were in, and there was no vehicles, there was no there was no campsites or anything whatsoever, so we're like okay, I went back in there and uh, yeah, it was the wound was scabbed up pretty good. He'd been running for a while, and so yeah, we we ended up getting into town and somebody had actually walked up and saw it in the back of my truck and they could smell it while they reported us to the fishing game and uh we didn't know that until we got back home and then all of a sudden my dad's got a fishing game dude knocking on his door at 10 30 at night for like, <laughs> for like wasted game for a wasted game yeah and i mean good on them for you know going on their gut yeah, gut feeling good. to report something like that that's cool but uh at the same time I and mean, we ended up having to deal with all that and Talking to the fishing game guy, we did the right thing. We tagged it and um, did what we could. We took all the we took all the quarters, the back straps, tenderloins, all the stuff you're required to, and then and then so too we took all the neck meat. We took, I mean, a lot of stuff plus the help that we had before we were there too. So anyway, we got it back, processed it, and all the meat ended up being bad. Like you, it wasn't even palatable. So um we processed it though we turned it into sausages we turned it into or sausage meat we turned <laughs> right. it into burger and steaks and so i've got i don't know about 80 pounds you guys want me yeah. <laughs> i mean that, i mean it's tough probably not after you hear your stories coming up that's but. a that's a responsible thing to do man you yeah. know i mean you're not going to leave that animal uh it's it's a responsible thing to do to try to one find Find anybody that may have shot it. If you can't find anybody yeah. you can't locate, you contact Fish and Game, get them involved, whatever you need to do. Try to locate whoever's animal that is. And if not, you know, do the best you can to salvage it. If somebody's got a tag, they're willing to hang yeah. on it. You know, that, Absolutely. that was definitely the, the Yeah, that's the, that was the coolest part of it that I thought was that somebody, you know, that you guys were willing to, to sack a tag on an animal that you guys didn't even kill, giving right. up essentially the rest of your season. It was too, and we still had what a good two, three weeks left yeah, in the about season. Two, two weeks. Yeah, my brother ended up sacrificing his tag, but the fishing game guys were cool about it, and they said ninety percent of the things they end up catching poaching poachers on or anything just like really bad, you know, is uh, it just doesn't seem right, doesn't smell right, you know. People end up going off of their gut instinct and reporting on that. So I get on them. Yeah, but. Okay. Yeah, they, still they let uh, us keep the rack though. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, he was a good bull though. Yeah, he was a great bull. He was pretty thick. No, we're not going to hang our name on him or anything, but well, we're definitely going to hang it up in the garage fair, so we can have the. You know, it's a story. It's a story. It's still a story. It's a memory. You know, yeah. I mean, that animal is still. It's still amazing to be a part of that. Like, I think it's. Oh, yeah. I think it's super Absolutely. cool that at least somebody. Yeah, I mean, how often are you going to walk up? To a six-point bull. To a mature bull. I swear he was sleeping. He looked like he was sleeping. Yeah. Eyes open. I don't know. That was the weird part. The messed up, see, the super, <laughs> super messed up part of this story that I think got left out on purpose was the <laughs> oh, fact no. that I got duped the hardest. <laughs> yeah, so all I'm, of a sudden, yeah, there, what was it? Well, he's, 
He's hunting. <laughs> the last text I get from him is, dude, there's too much hunting pressure. We're out of here. I'm done with this. No way. It's not happening, right? <laughs> then all of a sudden, we get a group text of Bryson with his friggin' bow on this mature bull. Oh, yeah. And was... he won't respond to any of us. Yeah, it takes the perfect kill picture, right? Like the victory pick of his bow <laughs> just laying right across this mature six-point bull. Hey, I left all the arrows in it, so I, I figured you guys being... You know, the hunter's yard, you would have looked at my corner. I, I like, know, but I no was... bloody you, you arrows. Find it. Oh, yeah. I mean, in your <laughs> tiny cell phone picture, I'm going to see the blood it's, on it's, an it's arrow. It's totally not corner. what I expected. I was just totally shocked. Like, wait. Oh, my gosh. Dude, he made this happen. This is amazing. Yeah. Right? Well, like, I didn't... I mean, it turns out, I guess, you guys knew for days. Well, so what happened is, yeah, so I called him. He finally, he finally answers, and I'm like, dude, what happened? And he tells me, <laughs> tells me a story, and then the, first, the next thing he says is, but don't tell Josh and Kaylee. Because. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. <laughs> he's like, because I want to run this out a little longer with them. I was like, yeah, man, I'm on board. So I played it too. Because oh, I'm man, freaking out beautiful. just as hard as anybody else. And I'm calling him and I'm texting him and he's not answering and I'm getting really frustrated. And, <sighs> great. and then he gives me this whole story. And like, I have no idea. For probably what it must have been two days. I'm <laughs> the freaking longest out. Two days too, especially when you uh, got a yeah, body out I mean, in the woods. It's like. So I'm wondering no if I got to come out and help you pack this thing up. Like, what's going on? And then only to find out that you walked up on a dead animal and duped me. I mean, I couldn't believe it. So yeah. I think it was beautiful. I think that's a beautiful. I want to say I feel bad, but I don't. It's kind of funny. <laughs> no way. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, so it's still a good season, man. It's so good to have you back in Idaho and back in the woods. Yeah, uh, I'm super happy to be back. You I, know. I, I like the East Coast. They have their way of hunting. It's it's just not for me. And glad to be back. Glad to be able to hunt the high timber about It's something about being on that mountaintop and like knowing that 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 animal is totally designed to get away from you at every cost. And and you have to chase them down here. I mean, it's not you're not setting a tree stand. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know, that's just no food plots over here. It's just not an option. And I mean, it's cool if if that's a way. That's a a way to do it. You know, there's nothing. I mean, a lot of guys over here rag on it, but really, it's just a different. I mean, it has its own set of difficulties, its own set of challenges, and like that's that's just it's just a different thing over there. We don't have an option like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, past that, Josh, you had a pretty. pretty I had an epic year this year. Yeah. Between you and your wife. Yeah, so Kaylee and I had um, put in for a tag that we got um, a couple years ago and went on. And it's a really short season. It's a late season um, elk hunt. And uh, it's during it's, – it's any weapon. So, I mean, we're going to use the rifle on that. And we went a couple years ago and didn't have any luck. Didn't even see an elk in the entire season. Yeah, not I felt missing so, a day. I felt so bad because – so right before that is the late archery – Right. Uh, for elk and deer and me and Bryson went up and hunted that and we saw more elk than deer almost yeah on that so i was like oh man you guys are gonna it was super gonna it's gonna be an awesome hunt you're gonna see so many yeah. animals up there it's so beautiful there <laughs> it was just bulls everywhere super discouraging because you go out day after day and you're just putting all the miles on and you're not seeing anything and then you know and then um we had gotten some snow and eventually saw some tracks but that was the most we had seen and it just i think it was just a bad year for that area because all the hunters that we talked to on the way out on our last day we didn't uh they didn't get anything either and so um so anyway the next year i went back to archery um and then my and my wife had put in with two 
of our friends um, to go back and do the same hunt. Well, the three of them went and um, they were all successful. They tagged out in the first, like, I think it took them three days and they tagged out. And so this year rolled around and um, Kaylee wanted me to go with them. <laughs> right, yeah, like, now you're like, yes, yes, <laughs> I'm please. like, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll try again, you know. <laughs> I mean, but you watch. What will happen is just because I'm there, we're not going to see anything, you know, or something. Like I'm the the bad mojo. But we ended up putting in for it and we all drew um, as a group. And so there were four of us this time. And uh, we drove up and um, went out the first day, didn't see anything. Um, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, back up. We've been well, up there before. And we, well, okay. I mean, I got pics of elk okay, all that's, over yeah, that That's true. Yeah. We went out on, uh, what was it, opening day of deer? Right. And, yeah, so opening day of deer, we went in there. And we did see, we saw a herd of, I mean, we saw a herd of, what, 50? And then a couple smaller groups of maybe five or six, right? Right, it was shaping up to be absolutely amazing. Yeah, there we was, were yeah, still. We saw at least at least three or four raghorns. Uh, yeah, a good mature six point, lots of spikes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and that was really encouraging. But it was also you know a month out, over yeah, a month out from my season, right? Which yeah, started and you November. got a whole yeah. you got a whole general rifle season between between that us and that, and when you guys are heading. Yeah, and I know that area. I mean, uh, Kaylee and I have hunted that area for coming up on five years now, and I know it like the back of my hand. I know how much hunting pressure is in there during the general deer. Um, I was hoping the lack of rifle shots that we were hearing out there was going to help you guys out, though. Yeah, I was (laughs) super... bigger than a doe. (laughs) I was super concerned about it, but, you know, it turned out it was... Whatever, so we went out the first day, didn't see anything, um, but, you know, it was the first day, so... um, Went out the second day, and we decided to split into pairs, and so um, two had went down the trail a little bit earlier, and... Um, Kaylee and I went a couple miles back, um, to a spot we call glass Hill. And, uh, we're just going to sit up there and glass for the rest of the day. And, uh, the nice thing about this area is we actually have cell service throughout most of the area. And so we got a text from, uh, the other pair saying that they had spotted eight cows bedded down and they were going to try and make a stock. And yeah, cause this is an either sex, any weapon, either sex, any weapon. Yeah. Time. Yeah. It's awesome. So. We, um, we, we go, so they text us and say they're going to go after these eight, um, cows and, um, that we should move to the backside of the hill that we're on just in case they end up bumping them up towards us. Right. And, uh, so, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes go by and we get another text and they're asking us, Hey, do you see anything? And we didn't see, and we could, we, we, we couldn't see anything. I mean, we were scanning the whole area and they said from where we were, we should have been able to see them the whole time. So I don't know what it was. I don't know if they got like a – this just all of a sudden they wanted to change beds or if they had gotten, you know, some thermals in the wrong direction or what was going on. But by the time they got to where those those cows were, they were gone. And so they turned around and started heading back up towards the trail. Well, at that time, Kaylee and I decided that we're going to split. And I'm going to go over to an area that we had been looking at um, before – and that I really liked this, just oversaw a bunch of different area and she was going to stay on glass Hill. So I take off down the trail. Um, and not, I don't know, not, not even five minutes later. I'm not even, I'm barely down glass Hill. And I get a text from Kaylee saying that she sees, um, a raghorn down at the bottom of where she's at. And so 
um, I start hustling my way on the opposite side of the hill on another um, uh, another overlook from where she said it was. Hey, can we back up real quick? Yeah. Hey, they're haunting in an area where they have cell service. <laughs> I know. <laughs> What's that? I just, want to, I just want to clarify. Yeah, that, it's, that it's is super v- convenient, not, though. Especially, <laughs> it's not typical, though, of no, where I'm used to hunting with you guys. <laughs> Usually, we're lucky, I mean, that we... We're anywhere near any civilization. You know, and, and this, area, service, like, this area is still a good hour and a half away from the nearest town. It right? is, and so, it's also the highest point. But it, yeah, it's the in highest the point area too. So you got a great anywhere near. I've I've noticed it more and more though, even in some pretty remote locations. Besides, like if you go way out in the Owyhees where there's nothing, but most of even the remote locations we've been in in the last few years, there has been some areas with cell service on the peaks i mean that's yeah it's just becoming just more and more prevalent but yeah uh, i mean and it just works out really well especially for a group hunt because then we don't right. have to take i guess you don't have to or, have walkies or radios yeah i mean yeah. so it works out really well yeah. that is nice too when you get something down and just you know go top of the hill hey uh can you come up here need you to get over here <laughs> right hey, bring up your pack and some right. knives and <laughs> yeah <laughs> let go <laughs> so she spots this bull walking up and it walks into the timber um, and so she kind of loses sight. And at that point I saw it walk just barely into the timber and she's walking down, um, trying to find it, trying to just wait it out, whatever. Um, and, uh, anyway, it just takes off around the outside of the hill. Um, she didn't spook it. It didn't, it wasn't like, I mean, we didn't bump it. It was just started kind of trotting away. Um, and so I start running basically <laughs> all the way around glass hill to try and <laughs> running at the off. elk <laughs> no no i'm going in the opposite direction okay. so oh, it's trying to move around the hill yeah so hey, wait, wait, it, wait. It was, your, was your stock screwed down tighter <laughs> was, was the screw still coming out of it oh, yeah. no <laughs> yeah that's a story for a different time but no it's the perfect yeah. time so josh we're, on, we're all on a deer hunt together and I, it was like halfway halfway through the first day and Josh all of a sudden turns and he's like, man, is, is this supposed to be like this? He's grabbing his <laughs> barrel of his gun and his stock and they're like separating, you know, like a half of oh, an yeah. inch. It was not I'm like, even mm. close. Hey, man, you probably shouldn't be taking any shots. I was going well, was like, the possible, the possible, uh, what would happen if you actually pulled the trigger like that? And I'm, I'm picturing <laughs> oh, like yeah. Looney Tunes, you know, the where the stock's going to stay right like here, yeah. you know, and then also there's the no way flip up out of it. There's no way I would have taken a shot with that. I don't know how that yeah. happened, but like the, basically what had happened was somehow, well, I, I mean, I know how the screw wasn't locked in and right. I had, I guess I had, I didn't check them cause I didn't think to check the, the screws that run from the bottom of the, the stock, the, to the stock, action. all the yeah. way up to the action. So, like, well, you didn't check screws after shooting an entire box of three hundred Win Mag. Three hundred Win Mag zeroed it in with that thing loose. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, I had put I mean, about, they, I had put about ten <laughs> rounds. Thank God, through. thank God that that hadn't happened while you were zeroing in. That would have been. Oh yeah, that been no, it would have been awful. But you know, I mean, I figured I. I guess lesson learned, right? I mean, that's going to end up being the motto of this podcast. But that's always yeah, the motto for learned. everything I do that's hunting related. You know, everything. and so yeah, I mean, ever I just it wasn't something that was on my radar, right? To have to check that, and yeah. th- but turns out the screws weren't Loctite. You know, they hadn't been Loctited, and so they, yeah, they wiggled out um, as I was zeroing at some point, and I put it away. It zeroed just fine. I didn't have any issues, but uh, yeah, and so when I had walked around. 
that was an apparent <laughs> well, I, issue. I remember we got back to the truck, and as soon as you set your pack down, you took your rifle off your shoulder, you set it down, and like the rifle just broke apart it just into separated. two pieces. Oh, like, yeah. The squirrel. Oh, my gosh. That was another like <laughs> bit of absolute luck, is I open up the rifle case to put my rifle in there, and as I'm setting the rifle down, the screw comes out and falls into the foam of my rifle case. Oh, my case. gosh. At least and, it made it back, though. It's such a yeah, pain to, like, I, you know, you just look at it at the end of a hunting trip, and you're like, ah, oh, I have two pieces of a gun. I'll deal with that later. You know? <laughs> it's just, you never deal with it later, and yeah. all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm going to take a bow hunt now. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, luckily gonna... I didn't have any of those issues. All right, so you're on your elk hunt, you're, and your rifle is now repaired. It's repaired, right. and you're running. <laughs> did you so, say yes. naked? You're running naked? Not naked. Not naked. I'm clothed. Do I have, have a pack on? on. I've got my boots. I've got an intact <laughs> rifle. I don't know we're on a mission. All right, he's hunting now. He's hunting. So I'm running around the hill to try and head off this bull, right? And it's it's probably half a mile before I get all the way to the other side of this thing, and um, it's completely gone. And I text Kaylee because she's all the way up on top. She's got complete visibility of the whole area, and um, it had bolted down um, into the canyon, and so. Uh, so yeah, so I turn around to look at Kaylee and I can see that the other two guys by this point had made it back up and around onto glass hill with her. So there's three of them up there and I'm down below. And so, um, unfortunately at this point I am at the steepest part of the hill and I have to make, I have to make my way back up to them at some point. And so I just decided to, to do it right there. And so I'm going up this, um, super steep, like shaley part of the hill and I get about three quarters of the way up when I turn around because I'm on, I mean, I'm just exhausted. And I turn around, I put my hands on my knees. I feel like I'm going to puke at this point. And I look up and sure enough, about 200 something yards away, I start seeing elk come up right where that raghorn had come up right out of the canyon. Because there's this little patch of timber that comes up out of the canyon up this, you know, up this finger, um, just below glass hill right and so i see uh i see the elk i throw up my binos and there's um there's just tons of them coming over the hill so i text them and i'm like hey there's at least 30 or 40 elk headed straight up towards glass hill i don't know which way they're gonna go when they get to the hill right so they can either go from their direction they can either go to their right which is where I was before I ran all the way around, or they right. can go to their left and come straight at me. And so I tell them to go on the other side and I'll stay on this side. And then we can text each other and let each other know which direction they're going. So I start going back down the hill now, sliding all over the place because I'm trying to get down as fast as I can. And, uh, and I start working my way towards them and they had decided, I guess, to peel off to the right, which is where I w- had started initially. And so um, I'm trying to get over there, trying to get over there. And uh, I know because I can see where the elk are going up the next hill. And I know where they're all positioned at. So I know at this point they all have a shot, right? They're sitting there. They've got a shot on, on these elk. And they're waiting on me. So I'm trying to find a lane, trying to find a lane. And there's just so much brush and timber. I get to the point where I'm about 30 yards away from the elk, but I have no lane, no shot, no nothing. Wait, so you, wait, you guys are trying to coordinate a forfer? 
Exactly. Is that what's happening? Right I now? thought that's amazing. I mean, you guys are going to line up. Okay, on three. Is it on three or three and go? Yeah, I <laughs> thought one, for sure. Two, three, shoot. Or one, two, shoot. Boom. So keeping in mind, right? There's no like herd bull in this group. They're right. all you know spikes or two points. Okay. Coming, you know, with all these cows. Because by this point in the season, this is late season, right? So the big guys have split off, and these are the young bulls and the cows. So I thought for sure, you know, as long as nobody has any qualms about shooting, you know, a spike or a cow, we're going to drop. All of us are going to drop an animal right here, right now. And I start looking, and all of a sudden... (laughs) I, I just start here. I hear all three of them shoot. And I'm like, oh, man. You know, like, so I start, like, frantically running around trying to find any an kind of shooting lane. Shoot. And I'm just seeing elk roll down the hill across from me. Oh, my God. And I'm like, no, my opportunity. And uh, right. so. Right. Back up, though, you had told me that you were on a mission there for. For a big bull. I was. Right, and yeah, this is whole now. Herd bull. I was. I was I was on day this is day two, right, of of the season, and I was my goal was to hold out if I had seen anything less than a four point, I didn't want to pull the trigger. Right. And so uh I didn't really I wasn't really upset that I didn't have a shot, but I wanted to be in position if I had missed seeing one of the larger bulls come through, you know, come through the trees. And so um, I wasn't too upset about it. Uh, they all ended up running off, and I came around to uh, to see what had happened. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, I ended up coming around uh, and texting everybody because I couldn't find everybody at the same time, um, and found that everybody had dropped an elk. Um, and that's okay, kind of when. Let's be clear, though. Any elk in my mind is a trophy. I don't care. Absolutely, so. <laughs> no, no, no question. I mean, right? I, I know, mean, I know. You're you're focused on trying to get me. Bears can't be choosers, man. Bears can't be choosers. I'll take meat all day long. I yeah. I can't say with a good conscience that I've killed enough animals in my life to say that I deserve anything that big. <laughs> you know, I, and I know it's different for everybody. I have no problems with anybody who who you know quote unquote trophy hunts you know and is going for. You know that three hundred bull. I have no problem with anybody who right. does that. For me personally, the headgear comes second to filling my freezer. And yeah. if I have the opportunity, if it's day two on you know on a longer hunt, and we're seeing the animals, we're in the animals. Yeah, I might hold out. Absolutely. Yeah. If it's day, you know, if it's second to last day, I'm gonna put down whatever I can legally right. put down. Yeah. You know, at that point to fill the freezer. I mean, I would rather you know, see that giant six point bull on the last day when I'm packing out my elk, you know, I would rather have that happen. Yeah, the heartbreak. You mean like your wife had the yeah, previous like, year? Yeah, that's the only reason I had pack, that. Packing out her cow and gets those pictures of those two sixes, just beautiful bulls. Yeah. After she had shot a cow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's how it goes. But anyway, so those we come like. around, I, I come around, I kind of get an idea of where, where everything had been shot and, and that's kind of when it was like the work was about to begin because, <laughs> you know, you're in the moment, you're in the moment and you, 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 you think, oh, it'd be so great for us all to drop an elk right now. And then you, you drop three elk at the same time 
in an evening. And, you know, it's like, I guess it's like uh, early afternoon yeah, at this it was, point. It's it around one o'clock yeah. at this point. And, uh, and then you realize, man, we've got 600 pounds that we've got to move. Of meat. Of meat, right. Boned out. To get out of here. And so that's when uh, I made the call to you and Bryson. And I'm like, hey, uh, what are you guys doing? <laughs> well, yeah, it was funny because before you'd even call, I got a call from Jim. <laughs> he sounded just completely out of breath. Hey, man, how's it going? And the last thing that he'd shot was what that, it was that, uh, shot that, calf, that tiny that little cat. Yeah, I sell the year. milk on yeah. its upper lip. <laughs> God. <laughs> But, but I mean, to his credit, I think that was the first elk he saw in the wild. That's so, very true, actually. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, compared to he's only deer hunted before that, so yeah. Even when he's seeing a calf, he's thinking, "Well, that's big." Right. Well, yeah, and, he and, and you know, and another thing reference. to him, he had that calf was by itself, and true. I don't know how it right. had gotten split yeah. off from the herd, but he had nothing for comparison, you know. True. And so it's all good. It whatever. I mean, it's still if you haven't seen him, I mean, it's still, uh, to a lot of people, it's going to look like a full on full size elk. But he calls me up, and he is just completely out of breath and just acting completely nonchalant. I knew he was up there. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? He's all, uh, yeah, dude. What you doing? I'm, like, I'm working, Jim. It's, it, what was it, Thursday or something like that? Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was it was like 3 o'clock in the like afternoon when they start afternoon. calling us. Hey, uh, so can you bring your backpack up here? I'm like, uh, did you shoot something? He's like, yeah. Yeah, we got three, we got three bulls down. What or no? Uh, three elk. Three elk down. Yeah, is what he said. Yeah, <laughs> I just kind of floored for a second. I was like, you, how? What happened? I'm trying to like think all the scenarios in my head of like what you guys could have done, and it's exactly what you guys did. You're like you straight up lined up one, two, three, boom. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he told me that you were on the lookout for uh, another one. So anyway, yeah, I, I immediately got excited and. Yeah, and I had gotten a hold of Chris, Jim, you know, yeah, and though. Josh called me. Then right after you called me, Jim and Richard called me, at, like, <laughs> on speakerphone, like, we doing, man? We need your help. Come on up. So, yeah, we, me and Bryson loaded up. I was like, man, we didn't even leave town until, what, like, five? Yeah, five, I, I, I was town. pretty busy. I couldn't just immediately leave, but we made it work. We ended up We got up there at 6.30, I think. Just, just after dark. Yeah, just yeah. after dark. We hiked in in the dark and found you guys and. Packed yeah, that's why right. we're doing Morse code for the top of the mountain night. with our uh, headlamps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of a mess because the way that it worked out was two of the cows that were shot. So my wife shot, Kaylee shot the only bull, right, which is a spike, um, and she shot it in the best of the lo- of the three locations, which was actually not too far from the trail, and it was just in a small timber pocket. And then the other two had been shot on the side of the hill. And so when they got hit, they just rolled straight down the hill. And Jim's elk ended up in a tree, like literally in a tree. They had to, Kaylee had to go down I know, his and picture, help him. His picture was beautiful. Oh, man. It looked like he was in the tree with an elk. Yeah, it just rolled <laughs> straight into that the tree. tree. Yeah, he, he, he had a foot in the tree while he was trying to cut out the tenderloin. Yeah. Uh, yep. He like rolled it uphill and he was holding yeah. it with his that knee. Was a tough yeah. <laughs> the other one was just was on terrible. a super steep part of the hill. And I knew that those two were going to be the worst to get out and those were going to be the priority. And so when you guys showed up, it was, it was awesome. I mean, I can't thank you guys enough for showing up and and helping us because we were able to get the two suckiest elk out in one trip between the six of us. And, and that made a huge difference. And then, you know, coming back for just, just Kaylee's elk was, you know, a piece of cake between the six of us. So, 
And boning yeah. it out helped a lot too. I mean, it took a lot of time, but we saved a ton of weight that way. Man, it was so much fun though. Even even though we weren't even there for like the the good part, quote unquote, of right, the, hunt. the hunting. I mean, just the camaraderie and stuff, and just being able to hang out oh, with yeah. friends, like just busting your butt. Because you were back what two and a half miles or something, three miles to that spot. Yeah, it was about two and a half miles. It was pretty far were. down there, and yeah. about. 2,000, 3,000 feet elevation it's, change over that? So from there, it's about 1,500. Oh, is that all? Okay. Yeah. Well, is that all? That's still a pretty <laughs> yeah. decent way. Well, and it, the downer is like it's – so the whole way to that point is downhill. There's no up and down and up and down. Right. It's, it's just down. down. 1,500 yeah. foot. Right. And then yeah. it's so back. So the hike up is 1,500 feet. foot straight. Right. right. Yeah, that terrible, was pretty fun. Though. I mean, we got – we got back to the rig at like what one thirty ish. Yeah, it was about. I think I got I got home at three thirty. Yeah, because yeah, you guys drove back that night. That's right. Yeah, yeah. After we packed out, then we drove back into town. Yeah, yeah. and when I looked at my um, my phone, I mean, it keeps track of like how many steps I take or whatever the distance traveled, and I was up, I was upwards of fifteen miles that day. So yeah, um, you know it, and not that like ten miles or something is unheard of, but you know when you know. That over, you know, close to half of those miles are with a loaded pack. It makes for a long day. Oh, yeah, it does absolutely. Yeah. You know? Right. So then you ended up, you ended up going back up later. Everybody, yeah. everybody went down. Then you and you and Kaylee went back up. Yeah, we came. For, we came back for a day so that we could put hers on, put hers on ice, resupply, take a break for a minute because um, we were just so tired from that. Um, came back up two days later for you know to start the rest of the season for me. Um, the other two guys stayed down to try and process as much as they could. And then they were going to come up the next day. Uh, I go out to the exact same spot, right? We're headed out towards glass Hill. And right before we get to glass Hill, I, um, I can see a a herd of something out in the distance. And, uh, I pulled up the binos and there's, I actually see two different herds of elk and one is bedded down and one is kind of walking away. And so Kaylee and I had planned a. I kind of turned to Kaylee and I looked and I was like, well, look, if we go after this herd, this is going to be our day because they're another mile and a half away. Right. And it's it, it's downhill, uphill, it's through so thicket. Far, man. It's so it's, far. So we're talking, you know, about almost four miles away, right. which, again, is not totally unreasonable, but. Um, so anyway, we we decide look, let's just go for it, right? If we could tag yeah, out dude, today, you gotta, you gotta that'd be go great for it. You just when you find an elk, yeah. you got to go for it. And the biggest reason was just to you know get in there and see. I couldn't tell what was there. I could oh, tell man. there were bulls, but I couldn't tell what they were and you know and things like that. So we we side hill all the way around, um, and it was it actually worked out really well. So um, the game plan was to to hike up you know a few hundred feet and then side hill all the way down. Um, till we were a few hundred yards away and we would be behind a hill, um, that they were on the other side of and they were on the bottom. So they were down in a draw. And so we got over there and the wind was totally in our favor. The thermals were in our favor. It was awesome. So, I mean, it was an absolute textbook stock. So we start walking up the hill that overlooks the draw that we know they're all in. Um, we get up close till I can see the first, uh, the first cow. And we just go down to our bellies and we start crawling up and it got to a point where, you know, we were safely looking at the entire herd. Um, and it was nice, you know, so we got, we had, we were able to take our time, uh, check out all the different options that we had there. Um, 
Unfortunately, there were only three bulls, and they were all spikes. Two were younger spikes, still in that fuzzy phase, and then one, um, the largest one, was up feeding. Was the only one up feeding. Um, what was really cool about it, though, was next to the the big spike, right? That was feeding was actually a, a collared cow. It was a cow with a fish and game collar oh, yeah. on. It. Yeah. So uh, that was. <laughs> Wait, so is that like a duck band? I mean, if you shoot that cow, do you get to, like take that band in and they give you money or what? I don't know. Cool. I thought it would be really cool though to you know do you put do you put the band on your bino harness? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure fish a game would have used the GPS to come and find me. (laughs) Like, what's this elk doing in the middle of the middle of town now? Yeah, right. So anyway, uh, it was really, really kind of a tough thing because I had set out telling myself, you know, I would hold out um, for you know for a larger bull if I could. And and still, really, we're only on day four of the hunt. Is that but and that's day four of the season. It's only a nine day season, isn't it? Yeah, it's a nine day season. Yeah. And and so we're on four day four. We're about halfway through the hunt, um, but I'm still pretty broke off from a couple days before, and I'm just thinking. And I can see that the weather is about to get bad. I mean, you can see that there's some some kind of foul weather moving in. Yeah. But at that time, the weather was perfect. I mean, just so super sunny, nice out. Um, so anyway, I decided to drop the bull. Um, I take the shot. It goes down. Um, and uh, we start, you know, we wait maybe 10 minutes. I mean, it, it didn't even go three feet from where I had shot right. it. Um, and uh, yeah, and died right there. We went in, started doing our, started doing the clean. Um, and right as we start to get the first side of the hide off, it starts to snow and the fog starts rolling in and it's starting to get nasty. And your friends have abandoned you. Yeah. All your friends have abandoned you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I will say though, the pictures are awesome. The pictures look epic because of the fog and the snow. (laughs) The fog and the snow. (laughs) Yeah. So we, you really tested yourself as a man. Uh, well, really... and, you know, and the worst part was at that point, I didn't have a choice. And I know I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking to myself the whole time I'm boning this thing out that the, I know that the walkout is going to suck. And so, uh, <laughs> so we start, we start doing our thing and we game bag it all up and, um, Kaylee and I both take a load out and, um, we get back to glass Hill, right? So at this point we're round trip, you know, three more miles past right. glass Hill. And so we get back there and it's, I mean, it's really coming down. The snow is really coming down. And so I tell Kaylee, I'm like, look, we need to go, we need to drop this load here. Cause that, it was at a spot that we both knew really, really well. We could have found that spot in the dark. No problem. So right. I tell her, let's drop this load here and then we'll go back for the rest and leapfrog it up to this load. Right. Because I was afraid that, you know, in the snow, um, you know, we might have a hard time finding it. And I really didn't want to have to go back there in the dark and things like that. And we're right on the edge of dark at this point. So, so we go back at the other load, leapfrog it up. And I just have to, I make the call that we're going to take that load all the way back to the truck. And then we're going to wait until morning to come back and get the rest because it was just snowing so badly. Um, it was dark. We were tired. I just didn't feel like it was safe enough yeah, for us Yeah, parts of the to... hike down are pretty treacherous. I mean, they're pretty slick, man. Even though it's on kind of a cut trail. In that snow, it, 
it's the still, piles up quick. Plus, and, yeah, and, and when you get tired inside up there, like you get those, you get those winds coming up too, and it's gonna pile yeah. up. Super add fast that on to being side. exhausted and carrying weight. Yeah, yeah safety's got to be a consideration. Yeah. yeah, and so it was. It turned out to be a really good decision. It was cold enough to maintain the meat, and we had put a. I mean, I had. Uh, I kind of picked up the tip a little while ago to start carrying a tarp with me, which actually was a lifesaver like cleaning out i mean you can keep the meat super clean tarps weigh almost nothing it's just a small section of a tarp you know right so anyway i wrapped the bags up in that um and we went went on our merry way but uh the next day the the other guys showed up i told them you know that i had killed an elk and they wanted to come up and help so they came up and by that point by the morning it wasn't snowing um but there was a good four inches you know four or five inches on the ground right and uh so we went down, got the rest, came back out, and well, that place is notorious though for dumping, dumping snow quick. So, <laughs> oh yeah, and I mean, yeah, in a flash, stuck, we've been stuck in quite a bit of snow up there before, yeah. unfortunately. We but, should do a whole other podcast on. Oh yeah, the worst situation. The worst. We could we could do a whole podcast on just that area. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Man. So, so then yeah, so both of you took bulls. Yeah. And but and both of you took some two bucks. Yeah, we had two a successful bucks. deer season. That, so you yeah. got two muley bucks in the freezer. You got two bulls in the freezer. Yeah. In fact, we actually had to go buy a new freezer because we only had a little, you know, a little like seven a little cubic chest, foot yeah. chest freezer. And now we've got to deal with 400, 500 pounds of meat, you know. And so, Such a terrible problem to have. I know. Right. right. First, first, even first, problems. first world problems. But, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, I mean, so it was great. It gave us the excuse to go buy a nice upright freezer and, and now it's full and you know, we're super, super grateful for that. And yeah, it was cool to be a part, man. It was cool to come up and help out and, and just see you guys being so successful this year. I mean, between your group, you guys shot, what, four elk? Four and elk. two deer. And, and Yeah, and two deer. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a great season. That's a great season right there, man. Yeah, that wow. is 600% better than my season. <laughs> I, like, good that's on you. Right. I'm glad I could be there for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I guess. Yeah, it's it's. I want to hear about your season, man. Yeah, well, mine's uh, mine's kind of a little more atypical of uh, archery season. You know, I drew a, a limited, limited entry controlled hunt in a, a pretty rare area that I didn't think that we'd draw. Me and a buddy that never bow hunted before. And yeah, super. How many how many times did you actually guys put in for it? That was the first yeah. time I put in for that draw. Right, and supposedly, Man, is, what, one in 25 years sorry, or something that, like that? that, like, is, that, that is, was, that was there's 25 tags for that. Yeah, 25 tags. And yeah. I think we had like 4 or 5% draw odds on that. It was, I mean. That's insane. That's what I love about Idaho, right? We Everybody has a fair chance at drawing a tag. Oh, yeah. You know, we don't got this point system that we got to deal with. Yeah. Everybody, from a newbie to somebody that's been putting in for it for 20 years, has the same chance. You know, and I didn't, year, but. I took that for absolute granted until I started trying to understand how the other states operate. And when they're on these point systems, yeah, I mean, as a resident of Idaho, it's an insane advantage to be able to go and have the opportunity at an elk. You know, you talk to guys who live in Utah who might have a chance at an elk once every six years. To sure. me, it's just, it's, I can't even comprehend yeah, hunting su- like super that. Super blessed. We're super blessed to be where we're at here, and I don't have that opportunity. But yeah, so me, me and our buddy Mike, yeah, we drew this uh, controlled hunt that I did not think that we were going to draw. We put in for it, but we had already game planned, you know, our over-the-counter uh, public hunt, you know, um, and we ended up drawing it. Uh, kind of blew my mind, so we were kind of in panic mode, like, crap, man. Now we have to super capitalize on this, you know. It puts a lot of anxiety. 
right. on you. Like, and this <laughs> also, is, you're taking all your leave from work to be yeah, able to this go is scout. Ar- archery only, you know. And <laughs> so everybody's like, "What are you doing for deer season?" I'm like, "Deer season? What, what's a deer? I got to, I got to focus on this elk hunt. You know, I may right. never draw this tag again." Sure. So, um, you know, we we had drawn we had drawn deer tags as well um, over in the South Hills. It's unlimited draw for archery, so it's kind of like if you put in for it, you get it. Right. Um, mostly because it was Mike's first time bow hunting. So I was like, man, we got to get this. I got to try to get this guy some experience, like being out there trying to get close. Cause all he's ever done is rifle, you know, where he's oh, yeah. tromping along, trying to jump something up and taking snapshots, you know? And yeah, it's a tough spot. area to do it though. It's, yeah, it's a tough spot to be in when it's your first archery hunt and you have such a rare limited entry draw. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I took him out. We did that hunt for a few days, uh, for mule deer and it was really just trying to get him some experience with his bow out in the woods, uh, get him as many stocks as I could get him. You know, I knew that I wasn't going to be shooting at all and really just getting him the opportunity to, to try to figure some of those things out when you're getting into the red zone, really, you know, that sub hundred yards and how to, how to do that. So then when we got up there and he was trying to pull it off on, <laughs> on a big bull elk that he may have a better shot, you know, especially being his first year archery hunting. So, um, ended up, you know, we weren't successful on mule deer, um, he didn't, he didn't really get any shots, you know, he got in close, um, but didn't get any shots. So it is what it is. But, um, so then we, uh, you know, we, we had a buddy that had hunted up there a few years in the past and he, he drove us up and gave us some tips. You know, we did a lot of Google earth scouting, but we didn't really have time to, this is the elk zone now. Yeah. Back up to the elk hunt there. Um, we didn't have time to really get a lot of boots on the ground in the area. I think we did one full day of kind of scouting, getting familiar with the road system up there and figuring out the area. And cause it's a lot of private land. Um, I mean, yeah. just kind of public kind of interspersed in between the private and just a lot of private and it's all locked down. So yeah. there's, you know, it, and the animals are jumping all the time. So if they're on that public, that's great. But if not, you know, um, and, and nobody I'd called every landowner in that area, no access. Nobody would give me any access oh, yeah, to it because they're, they're hunting. It. That, I mean, yeah, they're going to hold that tight. Yeah, it's. I mean, they're getting they're getting tags. Great hunt, whatever. So, um, we end up we get up there day before our season. It's, we got 15 days. First time I've ever been involved with a wall tent. Phenomenal. <laughs> What's a right? wall tent? Right. I mean, we've been doing backpack <laughs> hunts for so long, and oh, it was like, yeah. man. So I borrowed a buddy's wall tent. We went up there and put this thing up. I'm like, oh my gosh. Was it comfortable? This is this was is amazing. Warm? Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said uh, about. Could you take your boots off? There's something to be said about, you know, we're so used to like like sleeping in a bivy sack, right? It's something to be said about coming back to this tent, really house, cabin in the woods, oh, starting a fire and having right. such massive square footage to live, you know, instead right. of a bivy sack and all your crap under a tarp in your bag. But so, uh, I mean, the first three days were brutal. Um, we had kind of segmented the area out into three specific areas that we wanted to hit and the first three days we did not see or hear one elk and it was (laughs) it was pretty gut check man i was pretty discouraged there um after those first three days just like this isn't this isn't gonna happen you know and then the anxiety starts to build like you know am i gonna be able to pull this off and i'm gonna make something happen you know right what am i doing wrong right so everything's you guys calling you guys are always trying to you're I mean, you're an experienced hunter, but then you start yeah. reaching out to everybody you possibly can when it gets to that moment. Yeah, the the this tactic is what I really. Do you have any other you know, angles? We, we just got in in those three different areas, got up on on points that we identified for glassing, and we just glassed. You know, we saw 
we saw lots of moose, we saw lots of deer, but not one elk for those first three days. So um, then I remembered, I remembered listening to um, Elk Nut sure. on uh, the Hunt Backcountry podcast, <laughs> yeah. and one of his go-to tactics has always been night bugling, because yeah, I mean those bulls are just more apt to kick back at night when it's dark. Sure. You know, if they're not sounding off during the day, it's a good tactic to try to use. So I was like, well, what the hell? I mean, what? What do we got to lose? Uh, that the night on the third day, we go out and we hike up a little bit uh, onto a ridgeline there, and we start letting out some some locator bugles. And right away, we start getting bulls coming back to us just down over the road on the other side. That's you know, awesome. so we break out the onyx maps, and we're like trying to figure out, okay, where's private? Where can we get to? Where they're at right there was where we thought they were at was all on public, and so we kind of marked that point. You know, so we're super jacked. We get back to the tent, and that night, you know, like, all of a sudden, bulls are sounding off all night, all around our tent, like, starting, like, night three, night four, just, like, you can't even sleep because they're kicking off so much, and you're just, like, you're super jacked, so. Anyway, we get out there, we hike in to where we had heard that bugle from, and right away, as soon as we get in there, I I, I spot an elk, and it's a spike, right? So, I crouch down, he's coming up, Um, I let off a few cow calls, you know, because at this point, I'm like, you know, I've always abided by the theory, like, if it's brown, it's down. You know, I'm not I'm not a trophy hunter. I'm really looking for, you know, wh- whatever elk I can get with a bow, I feel pretty successful with. So I call the spike. He starts coming up, and I'm crouched down behind a rock. I come to full draw. He's at about 30 yards, and I start to ease up over the rock. And right <laughs> as I'm starting to come up on him, a uh, bull bugles, like, 200 yards to my north on this ridge and i'm at full draw and i look over and this like five by six bull is rutting these cows on the top of this ridge line so let down the bow i'm like oh, okay <laughs> now i still got seven days right okay so i'm like, <laughs> I'm like okay th- this may be an opportunity you know for us to actually make something happen on a mature bull so we end up chasing i mean we were in elk consistently the rest of the trip um you know, but it was, it was a challenge. They weren't, they weren't coming back, um, being very responsive to the bugles during the day or any cow calls during the day. So we were pretty much left with locating at night and then trying to get in on them and spot and stock in the area that we thought that they were in, you know? So we're chasing them pretty consistently all day, which, which is great fun, right? Cause you're in the elk, you're seeing elk, you're chasing them, but you know, as we're getting later in the hunt, you know, we're day seven, day eight, and we've gotten, we've gotten close every day to getting a bull down, but just not making it happen. And you're just like, we're tanked, you know, cause we're doing anywhere from 10 to 12 miles every day, chasing these elk up and down drainages all around these public areas. And Mike, Mike's getting worn out right at this point. So, you know, <clears throat> Last day rolls around and it's my day to shoot. We're laying in the bed and it's raining outside and you're in this wall tent <laughs> with the friggin' stove going and you're like, Really? It never we, goes. And right. we, we haven't and we haven't been able to make it happen yet, you know? Yeah. And it's like that moment where you're like, dude, I don't I don't think I'm cut out for this. Like I don't know if I can if I can make it happen. You know, we've come so close so many times. <laughs> Am I gonna be able to actually make it happen on the last day? Mm-hmm. Right? So you know, Mike's like, dude, I'm, I'm hammered. I'm sleeping in. I'm like, ugh, <laughs> you know, that's, 
you, are, they are going to motivate myself to get out of bed, right? So I'm like, right. Well, you know what? You know, I had told myself going into the season, regardless, that last day I was going to hunt as hard as I did the first day. And I trained all year in the gym and with my bow to make sure that that last day I'm going to be able to go as hard as I did on that first day. So, so I get up out the bed and I get my clothes on and we had the night before night located some elk in this area, gone out and hiked up and bugled up some elk. So I knew we're somewhere that night before that I wanted to go in on that morning, just like we had done every day, right? Sure. So all the stuff that wasn't going to make the highlight reel later on. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So plenty of B roll to this point. Yeah. So I get I get up, we get in there, I, I get in there, I hike in where I think they're at, and immediately um, I've got a, a six by seven herd bull up on the top. He's got probably thirty cows with him. You know, to the left of him, maybe two hundred yards. There's two five by five sparring on this hillside. Right, and oh, they're so cool. They're all right on the fence line of a, a big private parcel that we have no access to, right? And it's public all on the on the right side of them. And the thermals are the wind. The prevailing wind is not good for me going in on them, and there's no way I'm going to have the time to sweep all the way around to get back up behind them. And kind of the way the the private worked is it kind of went up the hill, up the drainage that they were seeing at the top of cuts over to the right and jogs and so they're sitting in this little pocket so you can't come from behind them and so i was like well the only chance i got is is hopefully if i do bump them they're gonna bump over to the west up this draw like up this big drainage a bigger drainage we were in and hopefully stay on public so like why well, i don't really have a choice like i gotta try to go right because this is the last day my last chance yeah. so so up to this point right so i want to take you back up to your last day, right? The night, the night before, the morning of. I mean, are you at all in regret of not pulling the trigger on that spike? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that, yeah, up to that point, we. I mean, but what's tough is we're seeing a lot of a lot of good mature bulls throughout those days, you know. But at least just seeing stuff, so you had hope. The whole right, time. just not being able to capitalize and make it happen. Yeah, of course yeah. you're sitting there like, oh, I should have shot that spike because then we'd have something <laughs> hanging. Once you like. You know, you break the seal, then maybe maybe Michael do something. Or who knows? You know, break I don't know. Seal. Yeah, you got to break the seal, right? <laughs> so, I know. So what yeah, you of course, mean. of course, I got regret. Like, man, maybe I should have shot that spike. But you know, so I, I'm I'm talking to friends on the phone every night. You know, I'm, and our buddy Kellen. You know, he's like, no, man, you shouldn't have shot the spike. The way this always, the way it goes down is you work your butt off for ten days, dying up there, and then the last day you shoot a monster. As long as you go as hard as you did the first day on the last day, you'll kill a monster. I mean, I appreciate the optimism at <laughs> the, very, the very least, right? <laughs> right. Whatever. So it's 10 days. That's a long time to be humping the mountains like that. It was a ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, so, so I've, I've got these guys kind of pinned out there. They bed down. So I know I've got plenty of time to try to make it happen. And I, I get to where the wind is as, as good as I can. I got a crosswind coming up and it's a pretty strong prevailing wind. So I wasn't too concerned about the thermals starting to push up to them as the day warmed up because the temperature was supposed to be pretty even keel throughout the day. And the prevailing wind was pretty strong. Like I'd say seven to 10 miles an hour coming across. So I, I felt pretty confident that, that my only shot right there was to come up from below them. So I, it took me three and a half hours to come around, get in the bottom of the the draw that they were in and start moving up and low crawling through open patches and moving through this timber and stuff to get up to them. And I get in tight 
he starts, uh, as I can tell you, he's bugling the whole time, right? So he's, all of a sudden this bull is like kicking back. I've got him going. He's going, he's going, he's going. And I'm working my way up to him. He's still bedded down at the very top. So his cows are down like 40 yards below him. And I get up to where I can start to see the cows bedded down. Now they're about 40 yards above me. And he's just about 40 yards above them. So I'm like 80 yards from this bull. And this is, I mean, he's the one sounding off and the one that I could see. So that's who I'm going after at this point. So I, he come, he kicks back a call cause he's kind of kicking off all these satellite bulls the whole time. And so I come back right on top of him with a bugle and he just oh, starts, piss him off. yeah, he just starts blowing. We go back and forth six or seven times and he's coming down. Now I can see him coming off and he's coming down to where the cows are. You know, I'm, I'm really trying to just get in his face like, hey, there's another satellite coming up in here trying to swoop these cows out, right? So he's coming down, and eventually, I don't know if the wind got bad. I, I don't know if he just got too much pressure from me, but he blows out. The rest of the cows go with him. I'm just crushed, right? Like, this is over. It's done. Whatever. So I, I kind of bebop up to where he was at. So where I could kind of see, because they start to head west on the public, right? So I'm like, okay, so I get up to where he is, so I got a vantage point. I'm just glassing them, and they run four miles-ish, three and a half, four miles, as far as I can see, up the main draw. And they stop and start feeding again in this open meadow. I'm like, all right, well, that's public. I got a chance. So burn down to the truck, (laughs) right? Two and a half miles back down to the truck, get the truck, swoop around, go back, swoop Mike up at camp. I'm like, dude, come on. We're elk hunting. <laughs> Wake okay. up. Wake up, Shake Mike. Away. We're going elk hunting. <laughs> so we get up there. We drive all the way up to the backside here where I'm like, okay, we got to go like 700 foot elevation, about a mile to get where they're at. Not too far. Get all the way up to the very top there. And right away we're coming up and we, we jump two big six points up uh, right so in awesome. front of us at like 30 yards. We, we were so focused on where that herd had stopped. I wasn't even scanning right. all around think to, to my peripherals, right? So we bumped these big sixes. I'm like, oh my god. We've had we've had issues in the past of not checking our peripherals too and busting stuff out. That's of it. yeah, that you know, that's how that's got to be, man. It just got you got to be constantly scanning you can't your surroundings it, yeah. and get so narrowly focused because it's when those that happens that you blow out two good bowls right there. So they blow out. So, I'm, you know, obviously then I'm like, okay, deja vu. We've done this for, you know, what, six, seven days now. Uh-huh. So we're getting to the last, last light. We get on the top of this hill where these, these, the herd had stopped. And I can see that there are two four points bedded down in like the sage opening. Um, and some cows kind of feeding around. I'm like, dude, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm putting a stock on one of these raghorn, these four points down there in that opening. You know, I mean, it's what I got. So. Um, I kind of move around trying to find some lane to get in there because it is so like thick and overgrown with like aspen and brush that I, I can't figure out a way to get in there without blowing everything out because it's just so loud. So um, finally, I kind of find a kind of a scrappy trail that I kind of start making my way down. And every time I got to like bust through something, I just kind of let out like a low, like like a soft mew, right? So is Mike with you at this point? Or are no, you, no. Are you solo I, Yeah, I told Mike, hey, you stay up on top of the hill. There's no way. Like, you, you keep a watch out. I'll look up. If they've moved out of that meadow, you give me the thumbs down, and and that's kind of what it is. So 
Um, I kind of lost sight of him, so I keep moving down there. And as I start to get to where I can see this opening, all of a sudden I see these tines come across, and I'm like, oh, crap, that's a six-point bull that's in there now. And and I can see him rutting up his cows in this clearing. And this clearing is like, what would you say, like 40 by 100 yards maybe? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. At one point, anyway, at the initial point, and then it kind of widens right. out. Yeah, yeah so, so I'm, I mean, it took me a solid two and a half hours to cover – uh, it was maybe 200 yards, right? maybe, through this cover. And just like as slow as I can go, pack off, you know, just just trying to do the best I can to get in tight, you know. And, and just as I'm about to hit this opening where I think I might be able to get a shot at the six point that's kind of been coming around through there, I come, this cow starts coming up this wonky trail that I'm on, feeding right towards me. I'm like, oh my gosh. After all this, this cow is just going to totally blow this whole thing. (laughs) So she comes walking straight up, stops like six feet from me. No joke, right? Stares right at me. I I freeze. No blinking. No nothing. I'm not looking (laughs) in the eye. I'm just like trying not looking down at the ground, not moving. Yeah, not doing anything. And I swear, I feel like she stares at me forever. You know? I'm like, oh my goodness, please, please. So eventually she just like turns around and starts feeding back out into the opening the other direction. That's amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh. That's absolutely yeah. Like just... the, the wind, I, I could feel the wind was on my face. I was like, okay, she's not going to win me. If I don't move, I may have a chance. She doesn't know what I am. Her? Yeah. Well, yeah, she's right there. Right. Face to face. So as she moves out, she's making some sound, mewing and stuff and kind of crashing as she goes. She's not like busted. But just kind of, you know, I mean, they're loud when they move around. Oh, there. yeah. So I'm like, okay, this is my shot. So I bomb out right behind her, zip out in this opening, and now I'm on the edge of this clearing. I'm like, uh, crap, now what? And there's one lone pine right in the middle of this clearing, and I don't see any elk in it, so I just bust out straight to this pine, sit right behind it, you know, kind of get an arrow knock just in case. I don't know what's going to happen. Start ranging some different areas around that opening, and all of a sudden I hear this bull's chuckling and grunting. It's, you know, like he's rounding up his cows to move out of there. And so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I see a couple of cows start filtering out the side of the, the meadow, the clearing right there. They're kind of coming down the side. And just out of nowhere, this this six-point bull right behind him, pushing him. So I'm like, crap. So I'm ready to go. Everything's set. He, uh, he hits where I had ranged at 27 yards. And I blow a cow call, stop him. Uh, you know, I had drawn back as soon as I saw that first cow, I drew back and I'm just watching, waiting and stop him 27 yards and send the arrow. Uh, it, so- it sounds like a good hit to me, but I'm always kind of nervous. Right. So right away, as soon as he busts out, I start cow calling, you know, yaw, 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 you know, trying to get him to stop just in case so I can get another look. And sure enough, he stops at right at like 62 yards from me, stops, stares at me for, I don't know, it maybe 30 seconds, maybe 20, 30 seconds. I'm like, I'm looking, not seeing any blood. Cause now he's the way he had stopped was the side that I'd hit him on. So I'm looking right. for blood, looking for something. I'm not seeing it. So I'm like, well, if, if I got a chance, I'm going to get a second arrow in it. Cause I know I hit him. I mean, I had, you could definitely hear the pop. Like I had hit him. 
So, it didn't sound like you hit like a tree trunk or anything like that. No, I mean it sounds like hitting, yeah, hitting that, the, the good that, body cavity, yeah, the yeah, unmistakable body cavity sound. Uh, right. So, uh, but I didn't see any blood, so I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I'm always gonna try to get a second arrow in if I can, yeah, uh, if it's within my range, you know, if it's at a hundred yards, I'm not gonna just no. just fling an there. arrow out there. Yeah, but right. 62, you know, we practice much farther than that, and I'm oh, comfortable yeah. out to 60. So, yeah. um, I range him, adjust the side down, knock another arrow draw back, send another one, hit him again. And this time he busts out the bottom of the clearing and I'm freaking out, right? Run out and I can see Mike at the top of the hill, you know, I'm pumping the bow. It's like, we got like five or 10 minutes till it's dark. And we're at like the last, last 15 of shooting light, you know, on the last day, on the the last day of the hunt, I'm pumping the bow in there. I'm jacked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like waving at Mike to come down. Uh, I sit down, mark my shooting location with tape, and I just sit there. I sat there for, I don't know, 45 minutes uh, before I did anything. Uh, it's dark at this point, so then I go down, uh, mark where I had hit him at in the initial blood, and I'm just waiting for Mike to get down there so we can start tracking this thing. He just Did the initial blood look good? Um, it was pretty sparse, and I, I looked for everywhere for my arrow. I couldn't find an arrow. You know, I'm looking for that pass-through to find my arrow there, and I don't find it. So, and the initial blood's kind of sparse, so, you know, I'm a little anxious, right? right. Um, and Mike never shows up. You know, now it's it's almost two hours past where I've, from when I shot him, and I've just been sitting here <laughs> waiting. I know it's pretty thick, and it takes some time to get through that and find me. I'm waiting for Mike. I'm waiting for Mike. Nothing. Finally, I power on my phone. I don't know how. I, I just thought, like, well, maybe I got service right here. Power on my phone, and sure enough, boom, I get a text from Mike. He's all... Hey man, it's getting dark. Headed back to the truck. See you there. <laughs> I'm like, one. How long we haven't had that... cell service almost the entire time we've been hunting. So right. why would he think texting me was a thing? <laughs> Whatever. So, so I get the text. I'm like, Are you... great. What do I do now? So I mark whatever blood I can see in the dark right there, and then I go back out to the truck, thinking I'm gonna get him. We're gonna come back in, get down the truck. I'm like, dude, what happened to you? He's all. Well, it got dark, so I came back to the truck. Like, okay, <laughs> fair enough. But, I mean, you saw me, like, fist pumping the bow or whatnot down there. Like, yeah, waving you down. He's all, yeah, I just thought you missed. Like, oh, dude. <laughs> Why would you be cheering you missed? <laughs> oh, right. yeah, right Who's on, man. fist pumping their bow and they miss, right? I mean, like, they're throwing it to the ground. Right, like the sand people of Star right. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so, that's <laughs> So, we, we talk about it, and we're like, well, it, it was super thick. I mean, the cover was super thick in there. You know, I, I could hardly make it with, through the clearing, and the blood was thin, and it was like waist-high sage in that clearing. So, we're like, you know what? Let's just, it's not going to hurt. It's going to freeze overnight. Let's just let him sit overnight. We'll come back in the morning and we'll go in and find him when we got, we got good light and everything. So, right. So we go back to camp. Of course, I call you, Josh and Kaylee, tell everybody what the heck happened. You guys are like, dude, we're coming up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You tell like, me where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, you don't have to come up. He's like, no, man. We're I coming just up. wanted, I just wanted to be sure I wasn't running into another Bryson situation. Like, a bamboozle yeah like some you know some shady thing we're gonna drive all the way up there and oh joke's on you buddy didn't actually kill anything just kidding oh it so yeah anyway uh definitely a long sleepless night that's the first time i've ever slept on an animal like left it overnight right let it go man that was uh i don't think i slept at all just laying there like re you know and i had my my camera on so i'm replaying the video listening to the shot i'm like yeah it sounds good 
video looks good. You know, but the blood was sparse. I didn't find my arrow, so I didn't have a pass through. So you're just anxious. Right. right. And, yeah. you know, it, just a shot like that after all of that, just a lot of emotion involved, you know. So yeah. anyways, you guys get up there in the morning, right? We head up in there. We hike up, go to the spot, initial blood and the, and the shot. And, I mean, you guys, friggin' Josh the Bloodhound over here, that's like his thing, right? That's his jam. That's my favorite part, here. man. For whatever reason, that's my favorite part of archery hunting is is that blood trail. That, yeah, I just, that part where Chris grabs you by the feet, holds you up just like a trying to and find that. Around. Yeah, just trying to find that one drop on that <laughs> one piece, leaf, yeah. you know? It's, I don't know, just something about that. Right, so I call the Bloodhound in, Bloodhound comes up, <laughs> hound this thing down, we get into some really thick stuff, he finds... My second arrow yep. first, right? Yep. yep. And it was, I mean, I didn't know at that point if it was my second arrow or not, right? He just, he finds an arrow and it's broke off kind of short penetration. I'm like, oh man. So he's still, he's getting a lot of blood though at this point. We got a lot of blood. Then yeah, he finds. It was, well, it was getting pretty sparse up until, I mean, it was, you know, it was hard to find until that first arrow. Right. And then once that first arrow had popped out, it was, yeah, I mean, it was much right. thicker blood trail from that yeah. point because then you found you found my first arrow it was definitely my first arrow that was yeah. broken like off so what had happened halfway. i think was we had we had gotten to the point where we were having a really hard time finding blood at all and it was i don't know what you know you think as you as you trail something you think you know you can look forward and be like oh well that's where i would walk you know and you can walk out there and sometimes there's blood and sometimes there's not and it was crazy. I mean, it's like something at that point, for whatever reason, just clicked in this bull's mind and he decided to take a hard left and for no apparent reason just jumped over this huge, you know, waist like high gross, bush. Growth of Aspen and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And jumped over it. And that's when, and it was just in a, such an illogical place for right. that bull to go at that point. It took us a long time to find where it had gone. And that's when that that first arrow had popped out is when it had landed on the other side. Oh yeah. And that arrow was broken in half blood all the way yeah. through it. So it had gone through and hit the offside shoulder. He had snapped it there. And, yeah. and then it was just like pools of blood. Oh yeah. Just like, oh, okay. But that's when it got nasty. Cause that's when he went down through that stuff that you would never expect a six point right. bull to be able to go right. through. Super thick, overgrown ass. Oh yeah. Eight foot brush. Oh, yeah. tall, nasty, nasty brush. So yeah, we get in, we're seeing tons of blood and then all of a sudden, bam, bulls right there. I mean he went total of maybe what, two hundred yards? No, not even not that even far. that as the maybe hundred and fifty yards from the maybe. shot location and yeah. just just piled up right there. Yeah. Um, and that I mean he's not He's not like a monster. He's not a Boone and Crocker, but man, that is, he is definitely a trophy to me. Any elk down in that situation. No, he was, was a super was a blessed. Beautiful elk. Yeah. Super blessed to and be for a six point two, right? For a six point. Yeah. Uh, that's my first ever controlled hunt. Right. Um, yeah, just a lot of emotion, you know, between the anxiety and then the relief and friends being all a part of it and making it happen. It was, uh, it was pretty great, man. Yeah. That was a, that yeah, was a I know for experience. me, you know, it's, Whenever you guys get something down, I mean, down or not, it's just being able to share that experience makes all the difference. Right. Well, guys, uh, I think we better wrap it up. That's been that's a pretty long podcast here. I think any future ones we're going to keep tailored down a little bit, but we had a lot of stuff to talk about, huh? Yeah, yeah it was a long season for 
for recapping. So yeah. So uh, anybody listening, you know, follow us on Instagram, Praxis Hunting. We're on there. Uh, subscribe, like us, and we'll talk to you guys next time.